Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, the hype episode is back. Which players are deserving of their preseason hype? We'll tell you on this week's show. Did we learn anything in the preseason game against the Chargers? And with me this week, finally using that Theragun coupon from last year's ad reads, it's David Newman. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I don't know why I waited so long to do it. It's a, it's a game changer. I even tried to ease you in with the knockoff version that you could get for a thousand or a thousand Jesus for a hundred bucks on, <laughs> on, uh, on the interwebs. I'm like, I get Instagram is great for lots of things. And I used like a knockoff Theragun forever. And then a buddy of mine, uh, he came over once and he was like, yeah, but and I was like, oh, you have the Theragun? Cool. Let me try it. It's, it's, it's life altering. It really is. I love it. This is not paid. This is not sponsored. This is not, this is not hashtag sponsored content. It's just, you know, two dudes that are old and are trying to, you know, run and do stuff. And uh, percussive therapy is, is great. Look, just want to keep those muscles loose and feeling good. All right. Look, if it's good enough for uh, the likes of someone like Steph Curry, although I think he's more of a hyper ice guy, uh, then you know what? It's, it's good enough for us. It's like, good. Like Tom Brady on the subway commercials. Like I thought you didn't need bread. He's like, it's just a commercial, man. <laughs> yeah, it's just avocado bread. That's all That's all my dude eats. Uh, but we've got two things to cover on this week's show. One, we're going to talk about the Chargers. What did we learn? Did we learn anything new? And then we're going to go into the hype episode. It's the second annual hype episode because there's a lot of pe- there's a lot of hype coming from camp about lots of different people. But we're going to tell you which hype we are buying. And, and we're going to take a look at a couple different buckets of players and categories. So first, let's talk about the Chargers. What did we learn? I think really off the top, I mean, it was really Trey Lance. This is going to be most of his extended action against really a lot of, you know, maybe some of the ones um, and, and getting a lot of play time. Because I, I think by the time he goes into the game next week, it'll be mostly like second stringers because I guess Jimmy's going to play for some of the first half. So this may be like the kind of more these last two games are really what we can hang our hat on in terms of evaluating him. And, and really, it was kind of more of the same from the Chiefs, but more of it and more varied versions of it. Right. Yeah, I, I think like from the Lance perspective, yeah, I don't really feel like we got anything new um, in, in terms of this game. I mean, it was nice. Again, he had like, uh, you know, a, a decent chunk of dropbacks there. And, um, you know, so it's it's always nice to see him for a more extended period of time. But I think we saw a lot of the same things, right, that we saw in, in the Chiefs game. It was uh, some some really good throws here and there, some inaccuracy issues, some plays where his timing and, and just kind of general rhythm looked off, um, and and then some plays where he put the ball in harm's way, right, and, and kind of got very fortunate um, that that he wasn't giving the ball away to the to the defense there. So I think it was yeah, very similar story uh, from what we saw in the first game. Yeah, but that that pass to Sanu was so impressive. His last touchdown near the end of the game. Benjamin. It, it was not Benjamin, sorry. I always confuse all of the wide receivers at this point because basically it's Ayuk and Debo and a lot of people. And until they do something that matters, I'm basically <laughs> going to confuse all of their names together. <laughs> and this maybe Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings has a special place in my heart for no reason whatsoever, just because he does. Uh, but the the strike to to Benjamin at the end of the game was awesome because he does have he he's got a full field read. He's got a concept to the left that he goes to first. Doesn't really like it all that much. He comes off it in the appropriate amount of time. But that look over there really holds the the safety slash linebacker number thirty one had a real bad day against the Niners that guy real real bad day and and then he just comes across 
back to his third read and throws an absolute dart. And and the, the pass is caught. It's a touchdown. That's exactly where you want Trey Lance to be because I feel like that's also you know, that, that play overall. You don't expect that from like, you know, a, a rookie that hasn't played in a very, very long time. But overall, it's still a roller coaster for every good play. You have seemingly a bad play plays where he's putting the balls in harm's way where he's not seeing blitzes um, or, or just general rookie things that he really just kind of needs to work out and get some experience. Right. And I, I think the tough thing is it's not like when you look at his, his bad plays, right. And then you look at his good plays. Um, there's a lot of crossover. Like, so there's, there's not any areas that you can really hang your hat on since we haven't seen the run game stuff where it's like, this is a, an area that's been consistently good throughout his preseason action. Right. And then this is something, a, an area that's been consistently bad that he needs to work on. It's like with, with the accuracy, right. We have some throws, um, that are absolutely on the money, perfect ball location, right where they need to be. And then we have some that are, that are just way off, right. That aren't even close. Um, and, and there are problems there. And then we have some plays when you look at more of a processing perspective, right? Like plays like the, uh, touchdown to Benjamin that you mentioned getting to, uh, you know, all the way to the backside of the concept, uh, to his third read on the play. And then you have other plays where it's like his first read is open and he doesn't throw it. And then he moves on to his second read unnecessarily. And he, and then he throws it behind him, right? Cause his rhythm's all off. And so that's it's a just, play that to the tight end, right? Where he's got an immediate yeah. flat, he's wide open. He should throw it there, but he kind of double clutches it and throws it behind the tight end. And it's almost a pick. Yeah, and then the one, you know, the the tipped interception that he had, uh, even that was similar. Like you can see him kind of double clutch the ball as he's, uh, you know, trying to to get it out, and just ends up, you know, leaving it in a bad spot. So yeah, like it, it's just there's there's not a lot of consistency, right? Which isn't a huge surprise. I mean, given you know the the limited action they had in college and just kind of the overall uh, more raw prospect that he was. Like I think. Um, yeah, like it, it makes sense that we're seeing these things. But I think, yeah, it's hard to pin down specific strengths and weaknesses because kind of just depending on the play right now, like you, you might get one of one of each, right? Yeah, and to me, I don't think that that is necessarily bad or worse than like Jimmy Garoppolo. And here's where I, you know, I think if you've listened to us long enough, you know that I think that Lance at this point should start. Not because Lance is at this point, objectively a, a better quarterback than Garoppolo, but because I think even at this point in his career, he offers you just about the same thing. Garoppolo has inaccurate passes, especially in the intermediate areas. This game, I think, was so interesting because they both had almost identical interceptions <laughs> where they were both inaccurate, goes off of the wide receiver's hands, and ends up getting intercepted. If you're going to get the same kind of quarterback play where you've got some really good-looking stuff, some kind of stuff that makes you be like, oh, man, I wish you wouldn't have done that, then I would rather give the experience to the rookie, especially when the rookie can create second chance opportunities in a way that Garoppolo, although he tried against the Chargers, can't really at this point in his career anymore. And so at that point, it's like, what what really do you gain from starting Garoppolo? And, and at this point, it just has to be maybe some of the processing stuff, understanding the playbook kind of at a large scale. But I think you need reps in order to do that. Um, so, you know, I, I think Shanahan's pretty much settled on Garoppolo being the week one starter. He came out just, uh, I think, earlier today in his press conference and said that he's got a pretty good idea who his starter is going to be. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And then I think Jimmy Garoppolo came up immediately after him and they asked him, do you know who's going to be the starter? And he was like, I've got a pretty good idea. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, smile, smile. Um, and, and so it's it's going to be Garoppolo at this point. But yeah. th- th- it's not like at this point, Jimmy Garoppolo is 
an appreciably better quarterback than Trey Lance. And ultimately, even though Lance has got some things to work on, I think that's probably a good thing. Right. I, I think for Shanahan, right, it's going to come down to uh, to kind of risk tolerance and, and when he's ready to uh, kind of up that variance. Right. Because I think that's what you're getting with Lance. Right. Is is it's going to be some high variance play. And, and we haven't got to see, uh, you know, the the most consistent aspect of his game that I feel like we'll, we'll have. Right. Which is everything they're going to be able to do in the run game and just kind of what that's going to give them as a foundation on offense. Um, that's going to be very difficult to defend. So, so we haven't even got to see that element of it yet. But even just as a passer, right? I, I think are you going to get more mistakes in and probably more turnovers and more really bad plays when Trey Lance is out there compared to Garoppolo? Almost certainly. And the, at the other end, though, you're going to get plays that Jimmy Garoppolo is not capable of, like on on the positive end right like the throws like the the deep play action shot to Sherfield against the Chiefs right like Jimmy's not making that throw it's it's just not happening so uh you know I I think it's going to be up to Shanahan and whether he's willing like because I don't know that he's always seemed like a guy that that wants to increase that variance right he wants he's not a high risk guy yeah with the safer route and I think Garoppolo is is very much going to be that right you're going to uh, I think when Garoppolo is playing at his best, and, and so even if you want to say like, okay, we're going to get, you know, 2019 version Garoppolo out here, it's going to be, you know, just kind of a largely steady, like there's going to be some bad plays, but they're not going to be too rough. And and then, you know, he's going to do kind of what he needs to within the framework of the offense for them to be effective. And, and then you're just going to need everything around him to kind of, you know, be there and, and, uh, and have that support system and have the defense that's there and, and all of those things. David, does Trey Lance throw too hard? <laughs> I mean, he th- My, he's look, got he, six throws, drops. he throws pretty hard, but I don't know that, uh, many of those drops can be blamed on. Like if anyone was going to be blamed on a, uh, like if you were going to have a drop and you were gonna be like, okay, I can kind of understand that. Cause it was a fucking rocket. It would have been the, the Benjamin play. Like that was probably the hardest pass he's thrown. And, uh, you know, Travis Benjamin managed to snag it and he's basically a returner. He's like barely even a real receiver. <laughs> So, I, I, I mean, yeah, it, it's probably like the, the drops are problematic and I'm not sure I'm putting too much of that on Trey Lance right now. I, I don't think I'm putting much on Trey Lance. I do think that there is something to be said for being used to the way a ball comes in with one quarterback by and large, but then having that change relatively quickly, especially when the velocity of that ball changes quite a bit. But that to me is a little hump you get over. That's a, that's a little blip. It's not something that is that is going to determine this many drops or it's going to be problematic. I think it really is just the wide receivers the Niners have more than anything else that is contributing to the drops and not necessarily the fact that Trey Lance throws too hard. And like let's let's not put him in in the he can't take anything off of his fastball at this point camp because he can. There's so many examples even in these two games of him of him changing up the speed of his throw. And while he does throw the ball hard, and sometimes he throws the ball hard because he sees something late. And that, too, is a problem. Yep. He sees it late, tries to whip it in there, and that usually results in a little bit worse mechanics, a little bit harder throw, and, and that can contribute to a couple of things. But there was a throw that I think Richie James dropped where he's running on the left side of the offensive formation. And I mean, Lance kind of just kind of like throws it in there, and it's hard, but it's not like so hard that Richie James shouldn't catch it. Um, and, and he drops it. And I think that's a Richie James problem, not a Trey Lance problem. Yeah, definitely. And I think part of it is is probably a little bit of what you talked about 
um, you know, in terms of adjusting to the different style of ball and how it's coming in there, right? Like Jimmy Garoppolo obviously doesn't have the same sort of velocity. I think overall like throws a very catchable ball, right? Um, that that's probably pretty easy to, to bring in because yeah, he's not putting a lot on it um, in, in most cases, right? So I think there, there certainly could be an adjustment to it, but yeah, I, I, I think like Lance, does he need to get better at, at probably um, learning when to put touch on it and, you know, when to, to really let it loose? Like, sure. Yeah. I, I definitely think that there's room for improvement there, but yeah, the, at the end of the day, like these guys are fucking professionals and they need to catch the fucking ball. I did think that just kind of a peek at the other rookies was interesting this week because you've got Mac Jones and Zach Wilson who have zero turnover worthy plays so far this preseason. And I think Lance is up to five now. He had three against the Chiefs and then maybe another two more against the Chargers, Yep, um, which is not great. Um, and while you can understand why each one of those plays happened, it's still not great to have five, especially in the preseason. What it, Everyone's talking about, you know, kind of the Mahomes thing. It's like, oh, Mahomes sat for a year and Lance is going to sit for a year. Well, Mahomes in the preseason also didn't have any turnover-worthy plays in the, the his rookie preseason, and he had a fairly good preseason showing before he sat on the bench for 16 weeks. Um, so you look at Jones and Wilson, and they're playing fairly well. You look at Justin Fields, who has probably had, I think people would say, a more rocky start than Lance in the preseason. But even with Fields, you can see the talent just dripping and oozing off of him. I have no idea why the Bears are going with Andy Dalton. Um, I feel like there had to have been a handshake deal there, but it, it is it is something that I find interesting is comparing Lance to these other quarterbacks because even though there are some ups and downs with Lance, I think he's still compared very favorably. But not gonna lie, I look at the Mac Jones stat lines. I, I watched him play a couple preseason games. The dude looks good. He looks good. He's getting the ball <laughs> to the right spot. He's getting the ball out in some deep shots that are really really good. The problem is this is just the Mac Jones that you're gonna get kind of forever. Yeah, I, I think like. It's it's tough to compare Lance with really any of the other rookies, right, in terms of um, purely being a passer because that's just not ever what you were signing up for with him, right? When, when you decided to take him, you, you were making the decision to go a different route and saying, you know, we've heard Shanahan mention a bunch of times now that, that you think you can win a lot of, a lot of different ways, right? You can have a, a lot of different types of guys at that position and, and still find ways to win with them. And I don't think that Lance, you know, at least in the near future and in, in the next, you know, several seasons here, like, uh, is, is going to be a top end pure passer, like in terms of efficiency and, and just like limiting, uh, turnover worthy plays and, and stuff like, like it's going to be a high variant situation as a passer, right? There are going to be some incredible plays there and there are going to be some ugly plays and, and you're just going to have to kind of deal with that, um, and, and try to do as much as you can schematically to limit some of that stuff and make sure you're, you know, doing all the things that Shanahan does, which is going to, you know, give him a lot of open throws and do things like that. And, and so, uh, yeah. And then, and then you're just hoping that the total package, right. What he provides for you in other areas is enough to offset that because yeah, I think, you know, if, if we, uh, were to look three years from now and, and compare just passing stats with him and some of the other guys, like I, I would, you know, be very surprised at this stage if he was, you know, the top guy in, in many of those comparisons. 
Yeah, the, the only other thing I think from the game is really just the performance of the defensive line. Um, there are a couple players we're going to talk about in the hype episode, but it was the first time we got to see Samson Ebukam in this game, and we had originally had him be a part of the hype piece, but then I realized there was actually no hype at all for Ebukam, so I figured, you know what, let's pull him into the, the Chargers game because that was the first time that he played. He didn't play against the Chiefs. This was one of the Niners' big free agent signings. It was their, you know, their day one signing, I think, that they went out and got. They wanted to go get this player as depth uh, as another kind of D Ford player. It's the first time we've seen him suit up for the Niners. David, how did he do against the, still going to call him the San Diego Chargers? <laughs> uh, eh, he was, he was okay. He was Ish, fine. Ish. Yeah. I, I think like, um, yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, it's obviously going to be very tough for just a limited number of snaps. I mean, you're talking about, uh, a small number of pass snaps to begin with. 17, was it, overall snaps that he had? Yeah, and I want to say like 11. It was like 11 or 12 of those were pass plays. And and then um, within that smaller subset, right, you're talking about uh, maybe a handful of plays there where he's actually getting legitimate pass rush opportunities where it's not uh, an RPO or play action where he's not going to ever realistically have a chance to do it. The research department has chimed in. They're in my ear holes right now. They're saying that 17 overall snaps is indeed accurate. Five defending the run and 12 snaps yep. in uh, as a pass rusher. Yeah. So so a very small number of snaps that were actually meaningful to to look at. And and yeah, I think like he wasn't really that great as a pass rusher in those. Right. So I mean, definitely is in the in the run side of things. Five plays. I mean, you're you're not going to have any major takeaways from that. Um, but yeah, as a pass rusher, I think what you see from him right now is at his best, like he, he's pretty good off the snap, right? He's, I think he's usually pretty quick off the ball. Um, you can see him kind of cover a decent amount of ground in those first few steps, but I don't see much of a a plan for him. Like a, a lot of times it's just him initiating contact with the tackle and then it's kind of over, you know, like he'll, he'll kind of try to maybe get a bull rush in there, but he's not really doing much, um, to, to be able to get by that blocker. And and then you see, I think there was one time that he really did. He had a, a decent little inside move and had a lane, uh, that he could have closed on the quarterback with. And, and then he's just not kind of very smooth getting out of that almost like not quite stumbles, but he just, you know, it, it's not a, a smooth movement to be able to transition into that. I'm no longer trying to get by this blocker and I'm trying to close on the quarterback and, and get my sack. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it just wasn't like, you know, a great showing, but again, you're not going to draw major conclusions from, you know, a handful of plays. He did have one sack in the game, but it was in Ezekiel Ansa special. That means it was a cleanup sack. Uh, he just, you know, held on long enough and was in the right spot. Uh, and and ended up getting a sack, but yeah, it was overall, it was a, like it wasn't even a loss, like it was a tackle at the line of scrimmage uh, as the quarterback was trying to scrimmage. He, he right. squeaked into a sack, is yeah, really what it was. Very very close. <laughs> but that is that is early returns on Ed Bukama is still you know one game. We'll see. We'll see what he plays in this third game, and, and ultimately he is going to be a depth slash rotational piece. So it looks like D four is actually going to play this season, which is pretty great. So believe it as when long I see as. It. As long as he can spell and he can get a couple of, of good rushes in there, you know, he'll be fine. Look, he's as got long to as he can spell, Does he know his ABCs? Okay. Uh, as, as long as he can spell D Ford, not spell D Ford. How many E's are there in D Ford? <laughs> Look, man, I ain't here to play school. Can I get the origin, please? 
Uh, oh man, I so someone asked us for some um, archive episodes, and uh, of the playoff uh, games for for like Harbaugh for basically any of them. I mean, the podcast started in 2012, and the the earliest my hard drive goes is the 2013 season. So I, I pulled up some of the playoff games from 2013, and oh boy, did you listen it, to them? I listened to a fair bit of them because I had to confirm that like the file names were right and that the like the the thing was there and like I exported them. They're they're actually up on the Patreon right now. If you want to go listen to them, they are up there. It's when there's three of us. It's it's Richard, it's you, and it's me. Um, you know, it's it's very odd and very weird. But there's a bit about uh the the basically spelling and origins of the word even back then. So this was like holy shit. This is just a little bit of deja vu. But I digress. Uh, that's it. I think for the charges recap. Let's get to the hype episode we've got some hype man we've got some hype and, and we talked about samson ebukam there is another pass rusher that is getting some hype that may deserve that hype that at least in the two preseason games has looked like a better pure pass rusher than samson ebukam and he did not cost as much we'll let you know who that player is here when we talk about the hype episode we've got three buckets three buckets david or two buckets where do we decide two buckets my, I have we two, two buckets Two buckets where we're basically going to give you the hype that we've read about these players to give you some context about the hype. And then we're going to tell you whether or not we are buying that hype and whether or not ultimately, hopefully you should buy that hype. The hype for everyone's going to be a little bit different. In some cases, it's going to be that maybe they're an emerging starter. In some cases, it's going to be maybe they just are making the team. So it is contextual hype, you know, because what what, what would this podcast be without nuance, David? We're not going to just give you the you know the smoke hype. Everyone's going to be a Hall of Famer superstar. No, we're going to contextualize this hype, and then we're going to tell you whether or not we're buying it. So the first group is going to be the youngsters, and we say youngsters because this is not just going to be rookies. It's not. It's going to be players that maybe are in their second year, didn't play their first year, or really early on in their Look, career. It's rookies in a plus one. Yeah, that we want. It's but that's really what it's, we're. But this is the the girlfriend that gets brought to the wedding that wasn't actually on the plus one, but they get brought anyway, and you know they just smile and nod at the wedding, and it's fine, okay. But you know what? Maybe they deserve it. Uh, so the first person in the group is Talanoa Hufanga, because he is now being discussed as pushing for a starting role week one, and he started as a fifth round pick. He has got fantastic hair, but that's not what's driving. The hype. What's driving the hype is that he is a sure tackler. He is healthy. He is consistently making plays. He made a play against the Chargers where he tackled the running back in the backfield. Uh, and he's also doing the thing that David loves, which is playing on special teams. So, David, based on the film that we've seen, are you buying the hype on Hufanga? And, and again, we're talking about the hype that he would be a starter. Right. And, and I think it's it, to even add another layer of context there. Like, I think it depends on are we saying that this is we're, we're for sure uh, just eliminating Joukowsky Tart saying he's not going to be ready because he's injured. And, and therefore, we need to fill this with one of the other safeties. Or are we saying that, like, he would actually push Tart for a starting role? Because I think those are different things. I think the way I'm reading the hype. And I mean, this is a hype from Barrows, Mayoko and Biederman. So two mats and a Chris. I think if I'm reading between the lines, it's that he is going to push Tart for that starting role, but it's likely going to be 50-50 because Tart hasn't been available. But now Tart is. Like Tart has been activated off the, the pup list. He's officially on the pap list. 
he is physically able to perform. And and so now I think it's actually going to be a true competition as opposed to an injury competition. That I'm not buying. So so I'm I'm not buying that he's ready to just be the starter end of discussion, right? Like I I think that uh absolutely he deserves to be in the discussion for the the best non-tart safety to to fill that role, right? Of, of between him and and a few of the other guys that they've got going for that. Um, I think, yeah, he's, he's looked overall pretty solid in, in the preseason. I think we still haven't seen him, uh, you know, I haven't seen anything, I guess, in these games to make me feel better about what I thought were his weaknesses after the draft process, right? When we looked at his college tape, um, it was the, the past coverage element of that was very concerning, right? And I think with what the 49ers have been doing defensively, um, at least, you know, prior to this season, we'll see how that changes uh, with uh, the change in coaching staff there. But I, I think with what they have been doing to this point, they like those safeties to be largely interchangeable, which means that Hufanga would have to spend some time playing deep, right? Playing either a, a deep middle of the field safety uh, in, in their single high stuff or potentially, you know, in a, a deeper safety in their two high stuff. So I, I think like that isn't something that we've seen a ton of yet. And, and I haven't seen a lot of snaps where he's been asked to do much from a coverage standpoint. So that still leaves me concerned because his positive plays are very much in the mold of what we thought he was doing well in college, right? Which is stuff where he's coming downhill. It's a lot of stuff uh, either in the box or, or like up closer to the line of scrimmage where he's seen something happen in front of him. He can basically come straight downhill and make a tackle on a guy. And I think he's he's been very good in those type of situations so far. And he's a sure tackler. Right. He's got zero missed tackles, and all three of his tackles have been stopped. So he's at least a, a very short tackle. So if he gets his hands on you, he's going to bring you down, which is good. But in all those instances, or, or sometimes even before the ball gets to you, if you're Tyreek Hill, he's going to just go ahead and knock you down. It's great. But it, it, it is going to be you know a, a downhill type thing. And it's tough for safeties because just safeties, by the nature of the position, don't get targeted a ton. So you can kind of see where they're at in the structure of the defense. Are they make are they meeting their assignments? Are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? Are they blowing coverages? Those things I think are are all kind of there. So in that regard, I think he's doing fine. I too don't think that I buy him usurping Tart if Tart is healthy. But the fact that even as a was he a fifth rounder or a sixth rounder? I always forget because we had like two or three fifth rounders this year. Yeah, I, think I think it was a fifth. A fifth. Yeah, I think it was yeah. a fifth. I do think that a fifth rounder now moving into the the starting role is is like kind of a little bit of hype. And, and I think that he's worthy of a little bit of that hype, which is good. I just don't know that he's like kind of fully realizing the hype that he's been getting thus far. But the fact that the Niners were to parlay another fifth round pick into even a solid backup at safety is probably a win, all things considered. Right, if that's what he ends up being, I I, th- I think you know it's it's obviously uh, tough to to go too far with that, right? I think Marcel Harris looked decent in a small stretch, and we know how that turned out. So, like, good god, yeah, I'm not Marcel Harris is now a linebacker. Marcel Harris does not even need to be a linebacker on this team. Like, it, <laughs> no, it just that's no. that's a whole nother. But whatever, we've we've Marcel Harris is is dead to us at this point. Let's <laughs> talk about Hufanga because he's fun to talk about. Yeah, so I, I think there are some encouraging things for sure. And I think when when you look at the other guys, again, in the non-tart division for that other safety spot uh, that he could potentially be going up against, I, I think, yeah, he, he definitely deserves to be in that conversation. But 
whether or not he proves himself to be like a more long-term fixture, either as a starter or as a depth piece, like in the secondary, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're still waiting to see how that works. Yeah. Out. Tony Jefferson waiting in the wings. He's on injured reserve. And I'm curious to see what happens with haha Clinton Dix, because I do yeah. think that he would be someone who I would have pegged as maybe actually pushing for that role and, and actually having the experience and has proven on tape against NFL defenses that he can do the interchangeable safety thing decent enough to be a starting caliber safety in the NFL, even though he may be a little bit better closer to the box. So this is going to be interesting all around, but I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm not necessarily buying all of the hype, but there's enough, there, there's enough there that I'm, I'm looking positively upon the Hufanga reign, and I hope his hair grows as his legend and, and ends up, you know, blitzing and, and tackling running backs uh, for the 49ers here sometime soon. I'm taking note of the hype. I'm saying, you know, I see you hype. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> you're, gonna, si- you're side-eyeing the hype. I'm going to keep an eye on you. So we've got three. So far, we've got three ratings. We, we're we're buying the hype, we're selling the hype, or we're side eyeing the hype. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's continue. Okay, I like this rating uh, so system. Let's get to Diamador Lenoir. Matt Barrows says he may have passed Ambry Thomas, a third round pick. Lenoir, who I think is another fifth round pick in the pecking order, Mayoko says that he's clearly the team's third best cornerback. Are you buying the hype on Lenoir? So, yes-ish. So, I am buying the hype that he is the third best cornerback on this roster right now. But that doesn't necessarily that mean... That doesn't mean it's a good thing, <laughs> yeah. that he's exactly. your third best corner. That's um, exactly what I was going to say. I was like, yes, if that's the framing, if that's the hype, I'm buying it. He is probably the third best corner on this team, but... Am I very excited about that? Not necessarily. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more tepid on that. <laughs> um... Yeah, so so I think like he absolutely is is looked better than Ambry Thomas has, um, and, and so oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And the depth it it in the secondary really across the board is concerning. I mean, especially at cornerback, um, it's it's problematic if if any of those top couple guys you know get injured. And so I think Lenoir is um, you know been solid. I think he he does well. Uh, you know, especially on the vertical stuff up the sideline has kind of been where he's, he's thrived so far. Um, and I mean, even the play that he made to, to break up the pass in this chargers game, I mean, was, I think, uh, overall very good play. Like it was really, they were in, in kind of their just standard cover three stuff. It's a shorter route that you really wouldn't typically be expecting him to make a play on because he's playing off. He's playing outside leverage. It's a route that's going inside, um, but does a good job of, of kind of reading the route concept to, to his side of the field, recognizing that he has an opportunity to, to kind of drive on it and make a play and, and did that and got a hand on it. Right. So I think there have been some positive plays there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not quite ready. I, I, I still think he's a little more limited. Right. And I still do worry about him, um, in, in the change direction and kind of some other situations. So, uh, yeah, I, I think absolutely he is going to be next in line behind the top two guys. But, uh, yeah, it's it's still concerning that that's the case. He's been targeted six times in the preseason. He's only allowed one reception. Now, a few of those were overthrows and the balls were, were not on target. But he's always been in a position to make a play. And he had a really, really good pass breakup, which is the one David just talked about. I think that was a third down play against the Chargers early on. Um, and I mean, look, all, all things considered, I think 
absolutely I'm buying the hype that he is the third best corner. I just wish that the third best corner on the team were not a fifth round rookie because I think the prior, if you're talking about a fifth rounder, I mean, we've, we've gone through this before with someone like Adrian Colbert, right? Adrian Colbert, seventh round safety, looked great for a small stretch his rookie year. And then he's, look, he's still, I think, in the league. I think he plays for Miami now or maybe Kansas City. But he he's good enough to be on an NFL roster, but he's not good enough to be a starting safety for a team. And and so these flashes are great and they're promising. And he is probably the third best corner on the team. Uh, shout out to the Barnacle, Dante Johnson. But I think, you know, there's still there's still something. Although even even with that caveat, I'm not side eyeing this hype. I'm fully buying it. Yeah, I, I will fully buy that hype. Absolutely. Awesome. Let's go to Jalen Moore. Jalen Moore has been a, quote, camp surprise from Matt Mayoko, and he is a riser for Matt Barrows. He played the whole game against the Chargers, and, and according to Barrows, he rebounded from a so-so performance against the Chiefs and had a solid performance against the Chargers. Jalen Moore is someone that we liked. We thought that he had a, was a really, really high upside tackle for the 49ers, and that's where they should try him out first. So after having looked at his tape, after having seen what he does on field, David, are you buying the hype on Jalen Moore? No, not really. Um, I, again, I'm I'm a little unclear as to what I guess. What precisely is the hype? What what well, is so the, the hype? Yeah, he he is now apparently firmly entrenched as the team's swing tackle, which would make him the third best tackle on the team, and the first person to take over a left tackle if Trent Williams were to go down, which is exactly what has happened over the last couple of games. Trent Williams isn't playing. Jalen Moore, left tackle. Yeah, not not feeling great about that. And, and so I think like Jalen Moore, right, uh, when we we looked at his college stuff, it was there's clearly some potential there. And I think we, there, there are even some signs of improvements already. Like uh, in college, there were a lot of times where he had a like a really weird, narrow kind of stance and and just kind of like, looked awkward getting back into his set on pass plays and um, just had some really weird footwork things that I think already look better. And you can tell that it's like, okay, he's had some real NFL coaching now and, and we're starting to see a little bit of progress there, but he is, is very much still a work in progress. Um, you know, th- there are some good plays where you see it kind of come together. It, it's like a, a much more extreme, you know, poor man's version of Trey Lance here, right? Like there are some good plays, but man, there are some ugly plays too. And I I think especially as a pass protector, like uh, he's had trouble without the outside rush. And I think it's like a couple things. Like I I think he's late on his punch a lot. So a lot of times the defender is the one that's that's, uh, initiating that contact and getting kind of hands to the chest first. And then he's not really strong enough to be able to hold uh, hold up once that happens, right? And to be able to kind of anchor down or, or to be able to uh, prevent that guy from winning the matchup. And so a lot of times what you're seeing is his outside hand just kind of gets weak. He kind of tries to grab a hold of him, which uh, he did successfully for a holding penalty on the two-point conversion play, right? Um, and so it's that, that type of thing that happens a lot, right? Where you see the defender engage initially. He's not really strong enough to be able to kind of keep that defender from from swiping his um, arm aside and, and getting the edge. And then 
uh, he kind of, you know, his feet stop a little bit and you see the guy turn the corner. And so th- that's something that's been consistently popping up with him as a pass protector uh, that's been really ugly. And I think, yeah, in, in the run game, um, you know, the athleticism, you see it there sometimes. He's had some nice blocks up at the second level, um, has had, you know, a, a couple of reach blocks that have been solid. But um, there, there are still some plays, yeah, where like the footwork is off and, and just looks weird. And, and so, yeah, I, I think like if they're in a situation this season where he has to go into the game and be your left tackle, that is problematic. Like there is potential there for the future, but that is not in 2021. Yeah. He's played a lot of snaps in this preseason. He played 115 snaps this preseason. Uh, So he's getting experience, which is good, but he is, I I don't know that he, I, I worry about Sean Coleman at this point because Sean Coleman was, was a pretty good swing tackle and then he gets injured, he opts out of the COVID year, and now Sean Coleman may even be on the outside looking in, depending on how many offensive linemen the team keeps, and he may not dress on game days if the, the team is only dressing about seven offensive linemen. Um, so overall, I think that this, this for me may be one of those things where it's like, I don't, I don't even know that he's the third best tackle. I think the team is maybe like hoping he's the third best tackle and looking at his athletic profile. So I'm probably not buying the hype on Jalen Moore either, but that doesn't mean that I'm out on Jalen Moore as a player. I think this is exactly the kind of player that you want to have and groom for a little bit. And if honestly, if you're going to hang on to someone like Colton McKivitz and he's going to be a part of the, of the offensive line rotation and depth and growth, then Jalen Moore absolutely deserves to be in that same conversation yeah yeah definitely i i think again he very much to me is like a player that should be on the practice squad um for a year or something like that right like he he needs time to really soak up that nfl coaching he needs to get stronger um i mean you know mentioned the stuff in 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 the pass protection but in the run game a lot of his bad plays he's getting stood up and um, just is getting kind of tossed around by guys. And, and so, yeah, again, not something that you want to see in the preseason when he's a lot, and a lot of these snaps, right. Aren't even against players who he's going to be facing on Sunday. If he's in there in the regular season. Yeah. Look on the bright side, when it comes to true pass sets, the, the pass ones that matter, um, at least he's blocking better than Tom Compton and Colton McKivitz, all things considered, you know, that's at least you're above the, we we've moved from the Debbie line to like the content line at this point. That's from the uh, the Department of Backhanded Compliments right there. <laughs> I should play tennis with this backhand is what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> let's, go, let's go to the final person, the plus one in this department. It's going to be the junior playing or it's the, uh, yeah, the junior playing on junior varsity. It's going to be Juwan Jennings. He <laughs> is the plus one, but ultimately he is, the hype around him is that he's pushing for a roster spot, especially with Jalen Hurd's on-again, off-again relationship with ligament health. Matt Mayoko has him on his uh, final 53 projection, and he was a riser for Matt Barrows. And honestly, he's entering my hall of like. I just like the guy. Uh, apparently, people in Tennessee love him. We were, I got reached out to, uh, after I tweeted something about him maybe being the big slot that Joan Jennings, you know, that, that, or that the team thought that Jalen Hurd was going to be. And a Tennessee radio show reached out to me and was like, Hey, will you come on and talk about Joan Jennings? Because he's basically their favorite player from Tennessee for the last 25 years. 
This is the the, the wow. Tony Basilio show. Like he has, he is beloved in Tennessee, and they love him. And and so you know, it's just like yeah, I, I love like players that have a really good story like that. Seventh round draft pick. We liked his tape when we watched his tape last year. We have a Patreon video about it. I reposted it, and and it was one of those things where it's like, wow, seventh round like. The guy seems like he's got more juice than we would expect for a seventh round wide receiver, not because of his physical tools, but just because he used those physical tools well. So are you buying the hype that Jawan Jennings may eke into the final 53 for the 49ers? I am side-eyeing this hype. Um, <laughs> I love the side-eye. Well, I'm, glad, I'm glad we've added this rating <laughs> to the hype episode rating system. Yeah, so I think, I mean, and I think the seventh round thing was like largely due to off-field stuff anyway, if I remember correctly. But um, yeah, I think it's it's a situation where it's very tough um, to to get a lot from his preseason tape, right? I think he, he basically has only played in one of the games, had a limited number of snaps in those games. And, and when you look at his receptions, he had three catches in that game against the Chiefs, but two of them were like short screens that, you know, didn't really nothing special there just kind of got the yardage that was there and and not a whole lot more and so yeah I think we haven't seen a ton of meaningful reps from him so far in the preseason um but obviously like we've talked about and and everybody's talked about uh you know all offseason is is the receiving group after your top two guys is shaky and it's it's problematic right And, and so I think anyone that shows any little bit of <laughs> of promise right from that group uh is someone that you want to keep an eye on and so like absolutely i i wouldn't be surprised if he ends up kind of carving out a role as a big slot and and gets a decent chunk of snaps and has some play there because yeah i mean i i think he fits to a degree a mold that they like at receiver right which is guys that can create after the catch i mean he doesn't have he's not the best athlete right he's not going to outrun a lot of guys um, but there is just kind of a certain shiftiness to his game and he has, uh, and he's, a, I think it's a very strong player and, uh, has the ability to create that yardage once he has the ball in his hands. And so that's something that they're going to value. And, and I think, yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially if we don't see Jalen Hurd on the field again, like, um, it seems to be something that they want, uh, at the receiver position. Yeah, he's got great contact balance, and he's got fairly good hands. Um, he's really good at catching away from his frame. Showed a lot of that on tape in college. And when you look at the the pass that he had from Josh Rosen, RIP, um, who has managed to get another job in the NFL, surprisingly, but he he that pass that he that he caught from Rosen was a little high, but he snatches it out of the air. He's got good, strong hands. Uh, and so when you think about what Shanahan likes out of his wide receivers after the catchability, you've got the ability to catch a ball. You've got to have good hands. There's been a couple of press conferences where Shanahan's talked about how you have, it's a good thing that you have receivers with good hands because you know what? Your quarterback's going to throw it hard. And so you should catch it. And that, and that means you've got to have good hands. And so all in all, I think he ticks off enough of the boxes that I'm fully buying this hype. I'm buying the hype. I think he makes the roster over Jalen Hurd at this point, who is now, I guess, practicing again. Um, he is yo-yoing more often than I don't know what at this point um, from his injury, which is unfortunate for him as a human. But at this point, I just think you can't you can't count on it. You can't count on it. And so I think the team chooses to count instead on Juwan Jennings, seventh rounder, not a third rounder. Maybe the team should just start treating all of its picks like it does the picks from rounds five through seven. 
at this point. No comment. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Let's get to the second group of players that we'll be talking about, and that's going to be the veteran newcomers. This is the group that we booted Samson Ebukam from. So we've got two players in this group. First one in the group of veteran newcomers is going to be Trent Sherfield, setting preseason ablaze, maybe an early candidate for the Corey Sheets is the future player of the preseason. David, are you buying the hype on Trent deep threat Sherfield? Okay, again, we got to set the table for this hype. What is what is the hype? Did he make the roster? Oh, that that he makes a roster, but that he's like uh, that he is a sure to roster spot, absolutely guaranteed special teams ace, and, and can contribute for uh, the 49ers at the receiving position. You lose me on the last one. Yeah. I'm I'm not buying the hype. Yeah, the, like that he can be on the roster and be a special teamer and all that stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I'm not terribly concerned with that. His ability as a receiver. I, I think is far more in question. And um, I, I think really what we've seen from him through two preseason games is two big plays. He has been the recipient of two long Trey Lance passes. And honestly, he was very fortunate on both of those plays. Like, so the, the main issue that I have from him so far that's popped up quite a bit on, on throws where he's been targeted and throws uh, you know, where, where he hasn't been, but I, I, I think he has problems against press at the line of scrimmage. Like, so even on, if you think about the 80 yard touchdown pass, if you go back and watch that play, he gets absolutely bodied at the line of scrimmage, like gets pushed way inside, way further than he should be, uh, you know, running that route. And that's part of the reason why it ends up so far across the field is because like right at the, the gate, like he's getting pushed in five, 10 yards from his initial alignment and and just shouldn't be there right and then he uh basically gets like he finally gets off of it and the corner just falls apart and the safety that should be helping on it's absolutely terrible and so now suddenly like he he finds himself in wide open space right and has obviously the speed to to kind of take it to the house once he gets the ball in his hands but uh everything kind of leading up to that point wasn't all that good and then on the other deep play right in this this past game against the chargers uh it's kind of a similar situation like um, he's lined up in the slot. He has a guy that's making contact early on at the line of scrimmage um, and gets pushed really wide this time out to the sideline. And then the defender just falls off, like just completely busts the the assignment, falls off the coverage. And so, again, suddenly he's wide open there and has a bunch of space to work with and really hasn't done much else other than those two plays. And so, yeah, I just don't think that there's a lot there to feel confident that he's going to be able to provide much, um, you know, as a receiver for this team. I think Chris Brown said it best. He, we, he uh, shot me a message about Sherfield and said that he was really solid on special teams for Arizona, but that if he can be any kind of a, of a plus on offense, then that's gravy. And I think that's how really you should kind of be looking at Trent Sherfield. Yep. He is a special teams ace, and if you can get anything out of him on offense, then that's an additional bonus. And, and yeah, I mean, he's got two explosive plays on his three receptions, and the, the, the two-point conversion play that we broke down uh, for the Patreon video shows him running a very interesting extra, what I will call the Irish jig technique at the top of his break, where he just has way more steps than he needs before he gets into his slant route. And it's just, it's it ends up making him being real late on the concept. He's just trying to dance too much at the top of the route. 
and and I don't know what the hell he's doing, but ultimately he ends up becoming a non-option because he's he's dancing at the top of the route. Yeah, I mean, he gets uh, completely so like after he gets done with with all of that, right, and actually tries to make the break on his on his slant, he gets walled off. The play prior to that on the touchdown, he's on uh, kind of the opposite side of the field from where Sanu was at. And you see him the same thing. It's kind of, um, you know, one of those inside breaking return routes. So he starts initially like he's going to break it to the sideline for a short out, puts his foot in the ground, coming back underneath to the middle. Again, no separation, gets completely walled off, like isn't able to to get free at all. And um, I mean, had another play where he falls down um, on the break. Like, yeah, so it's just been uh, not the most impressive like he, he's been very fortunate to have two big plays and there hasn't been much else there all right and so the final player that we're going to get to in veteran newcomers is going to be a player that i don't think has been getting a lot of hype and so maybe this is going to be the first entrant from better rivals into the hype episode on the hype machine uh but that's going to be one mr arden key he is a cast off from Las Vegas slash Oakland. Oakland slash Las Vegas was not a good situation for him. And so he was kind of happy to be out. He signed with the Niners. And in two preseason games, he's actually played really, really well. He's played like someone who is better than the people who are in front of him, which is exactly what you want out of a talented player like Arden Key. And you know, he's not only expected to be a rotational player for the 49ers, but they may have absolutely hit on a really solid rotational piece in Arden Key. He may be the guy they were searching for last season when they were cycling through all of those players like Ziggy Ansa and everyone, <laughs> and they may have done it relatively cheaply. Um, so, David, are, what is the hype around Arden Key? Why have we put him here? And what do you like about what he's done on tape so far? I mean, when he was at LSU, he had... Uh, I believe some off field issues and um, never really, he was a guy that was like a, a, a big time prospect that um, had a, clearly like a ton of physical ability, but just never really lived up to it um, and, and really played at his max when he was at LSU. And, and that's kind of been the case for him since he's coming to the NFL as well. But I think, yeah, so far, uh, I, I mean, I think he's looked really good. I think the, the thing that stands out immediately is how much stronger he looks. I mean, uh, this dude, when he was at LSU, basically looked like Richard Robinson on the edge, right? It was just like a tall stick figure out there. Like, uh, eat a cheeseburger Robinson over there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. Yeah, it was like he had a, a very thin frame. Um, and I think now you see him uh, and he looks strong. Like he looks powerful um, out there. I mean, he's done really well in the run game, which like when, when they would have, uh, when they signed him, my thought would have been purely situational pass rusher, you know, and hopefully you get something from from there out of him. But I mean, he's been really good in the run game. He actually has the third highest run grade uh, from PFF among edge defenders so far in this preseason. Um, and it's just like he's standing guys up. He's he's making plays like he's setting the edge on zone plays hard. Uh, and just looks really good. And then I think, yeah, when you, you especially when you compare him to, say, the handful of snaps that we had from Ebicom, like, I, I think he clearly looks better as a pass rusher right now. Like, he uh, definitely has more of a plan. I think he has more moves at his disposal to be able to actually uh, do more than just make contact with the guy and kind of just run into him for a few seconds. Like, I, he he's getting around 
the tackles, like he's beating him to the edge. Uh, he's getting shots. I mean, he's been a little unfortunate, a little unlucky in terms of a lot of his wins. The ball's just getting out quickly. So you're not seeing a lot of his better plays as a pass rusher turn into pressures or sacks because the, the ball's just out before he can get around there. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think we haven't maybe seen as much of an impact there as he's really been making, but, uh, yeah, I, I think overall, like as an edge rusher, as a, what is hopefully a rotational piece, right. Um, in, in that group, like I, I think very feeling very good about him. I think Matt Mayoko does have him making the final roster, the final 53. And I think that's a, a definitely at least hype wise where he has earned his spot for sure as a rotational defensive end, but he may be one of the the better defensive ends that the Niners have signed kind of in that area um, as, as a backup rotational piece. I think he's better than Gary Heider at this point. If people were lusting after, you know, someone like Heider, you've got him in our key. Like he's the guy who's going to come in and be like, Oh, he like, he's actually going to play and play well you, you mentioned his plan and his pass rush plan he had a couple of really good hand swipes against the the chefs and he really is someone who kind of like dips and rips around the edge like he's able to get around the tackle and win against look the tackles aren't super great 57 for the chiefs didn't have a good day um but ultimately that's what good players do they dominate inferior competition and that's what he was doing over and over and over, rep after rep after rep, is he was winning that pass rush rep, and, and he was getting around him and getting to a spot, just the ball was getting out quick. And he was doing it against the Chargers too. Uh, so overall, I think, impressed with Arden Key's film, impressed what he's able to do, and, and glad that if, if Mayoko's right about that hype, that he will make the roster for the 49ers. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that's obviously a position that they want to have a lot of guys um, at and, and have a lot of depth at. And, and I think, yeah, he as much as a lot of the kind of journeyman type of players that they brought in there um, probably has more promise than most of those guys. All right. That's hype episode 2.0. We did it again, David. I think we uh, were buying more. Let's see. We, we ended up buying on Lenoir. We ended up buying on Arden Key. Which was, I mean, a bit of a ringer, right? Like, we put him in there for a reason. Yeah. Um, and we were out on Sherfield, out on Jalen Moore, and we were side-eyeing Jawan Jennings and Talanoa Hufanga. So, a little bit of everything peppered into the hype episode. Uh, but that does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. We have got a breakdown of all of Trey Lance's, uh, what we think are all of his really, really important snaps and breaking down his game on the Patreon. So, go check that out now. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Rate and review. Do all the things that Gen Zers and Millennials ask you to do on the YouTubes. Hit me up on Twitter. You can find me at Better Rivals. David, tell them some more about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Better Rivals. Um, buy some beer there. It would be much appreciated. And uh, yeah, like Oscar mentioned, uh, we just had a video go up that went through, uh, I think, nine plays from Trey Lance's preseason that I think kind of shows the, the roller coaster that he's been on. Um, and yeah, we're, we're getting into the regular season now. I mean, um, we're going to be getting out stuff pretty much weekly and, and just things that we found, uh, from the previous week's games, uh, that we found interesting and, and that we think, uh, suits itself a little bit better to a video format. So definitely check that out. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always go Niners. <laughs>